Welcome back to What Is It About the Weather, where weather is always a theme, but don't look here for your weather forecast. Now, this week we're going to be talking about what words are in your weather dictionary. It's been a while since we've gotten into the language weather component. We're going to delve in there again. But before we, we get in, I, let me just say my, my brain is kind of rambling this week, so I apologize in advance. Actually, I don't. This is going to be one of those rambling episodes where if you get to the end of listening and you go, what was his point? Well, I'm not sure what my point's going to be. I, I, I've got an idea of what I'm trying to get across, but my head is spinning this week. I, I hope that whatever you've been up to, I mean, there's just so much going on you know, in, in my, my weather intertwined world. As you know, I've, I've started teaching a class this semester and we're in quasi-geostrophic theory, okay? And if that's not enough to make your head spin just thinking about that, well, go do a search on it on, on Google, and you will see why, why it makes my head spin. This was a topic, actually, when I was in school that was difficult for me to get my brain around at times, at least all the components of it. And so I know <laughs> my poor students are, are dealing with the same thing as I see the looks and in some of their eyes, but uh, yeah, it's just left my brain kind of kind of spinning. And of course, unless you're under a rock somewhere, you probably know that this week is the change in who is the president of the United States. And all I'm going to say is, no matter which side of the fence you sit on with this, if you want to change things and you really want to influence others, have a conversation with a real person. Don't do it on social media. Actually sit down with somebody, talk about something, actually find things you don't agree on because that's that's the best place to go with this kind of stuff. And I, and I always think it's important to find out why someone thinks the way they do because quite often, you know, a lot of it can be history. And you may find someone open to your ideas if you have a, a topic you're really passionate about and want to sway people about. It's just a healthy thing to do. You know, no one needs to scream or yell, but use it as an opportunity. You know, seek out people that uh, have an opinion, or at least opinions on some topics that are different from you. Use it as an opportunity to, to learn and engage. It's how we advance. So the other funny thing, you know, I'm still reeling from the little bit of winter I had. It, it continues just to be, I don't know, it's just not winter for me. So yeah, I'm, I've been spending a lot of time, I guess, thinking back to that brief little bit of ice and snow that I had a couple of weeks ago and how I'm wishing I was back in that world. Um, and it, I guess the, the aspect of it, it's been kind of funny, it's social media. And, you, you know, you've heard me mention we're going to do a social media oriented episode here in the near future. But there were two things that came up that I, I found interesting. So, you know, those of you who follow me know that I post different weather things on Twitter and Instagram. And if you don't, you know, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. But some of those things I track because I'm trying to understand, you know, what ways of saying things might gain traction or get more views or, or interaction with. And so I'm, I've always been kind of a statistics person and enjoy looking at those things. But I'm always kind of amazed. I was I was in there this week looking at a couple of things. Uh, specific with my my Twitter account, and I noticed I had a tweet that had nearly 
200,000 views, and, and that is, you know, off the chart compared to anything I've had in the past. And so I was looking at it, and it was one of these plain, seemingly simple tweets I did. Now, I like the picture I put with it, but it was, you know, a one, one in the morning kind of thing about the ice storm and just relaying what the weather was at my location at a time. Now, during the storm, I had kind of been doing this once an hour. So it was a follow-on to that. And it did get some retweets, uh, and certainly that contributed to the amount of views. But I was stunned. And, and one of the you know groups that I tweet with is is a group I deal with here in Atlanta. So a friend of mine, Chris Holcomb, is the chief meteorologist at 11 Alive. And I, I can't remember if he retweeted that one or someone else on the on the team did there. Uh, but they also have a, like a little internal group that – you know, I, I post some things in their group from time to time, and yeah, it's just kind of a little weather weather weenie sort of group, weather interested oriented kind of people. And a lot of those folks aren't necessarily really big in the weather, but they like the theme, right? Kind of like what I'm talking about here, except it's really focused on the weather. In any case, that group and Chris Holcomb being, you know, the chief meteorologist kind of started that group. I don't It's been a year and a half, maybe even two years now. I forget how long ago he started it. But in any case, one of the things he posted, another social media thing in this past couple of weeks is going into the same winter storm we had. He had had an exchange uh, with his daughter about her weather app wasn't forecasting certain weather. And he commented about, well, does your weather app pay for your college now too i mean that's i'm paraphrasing a little bit i'll put a link in the show notes but he ended up you know being i mean it you talk about viral this thing went huge viral so anything i had this it dwarfs that by a long shot but you know it was on today's show a lot of other outlets picked it up and and did a story on it's a neat story and for those that don't chris just a really nice guy so take a Take a look at the story. It'll be in the show notes. It's kind of a neat exchange. I'm, I'm hoping his daughter didn't feel too much heat for <laughs> for what she said, but I think they they have a very healthy relationship, so it probably went well. So enough of the rambling. Let's go from rambling A to rambling B. So really the main story I wanted to get to tonight was the concept of how we describe the weather shapes or creates maybe is a better term, an indicator for other people about where you might be from, or let's say sometimes just that you're not local. And there have been a variety of things that prompted this. I was talking about atmospheric rivers last week. I mentioned that sort of thing. Uh, You know, again, descriptive terms or trying to relate science to other terminology people know. I had seen a map, and I for the life of me, when I was working on an episode, and I, I don't even recall what episode it was, probably six months ago or so, I came across this map that had different phrases, and I think it was for wind, that people in the UK, you know, different parts of it, used to describe winds, right? And I, I still haven't found, I found one that had to do with how they describe rolls or, you know, pieces of bread or buns or whatever, but I didn't find the wind map. So these sort of connections, though, you know, every time I'm looking into different episodes, one of the challenges I always have is trying to make sure whatever localized terminology is used, that I try to describe it in terms that I think are more generic, that more people will understand. But at the same time, there's there's things that get lost in the translation. You know, I, I have to when I, during an investigation, make sure I'm clear and I understand, but you can't always, right? I mean, there's sometimes people will say things 
that just don't make sense to you. And other times we're all just saying, we're describing something very straightforward and very similar, but we've just got drastically different ways of going about doing it. And like I said, the really where all this started uh, was with this kind of con- connection to what I had seen with, with British phrases. And, you know, I think some of it has to do with the fact that the history of the British Isles is so, you know, shaped by different weather phenomena. And they're not alone in using weather to, I don't know, as a common, kind of a common ground. And I think it's, it's more, maybe more rich in their culture. And certainly a lot of cultures, you know, people don't go, well, how's, you know, how's the weather looks like this kind of day or that kind of day. In the U.S., it's a way just to kind of bridge that gap. It's, it's, you know, maybe uh, an easy introduction. But I think in the U.K., from, you know, what I've read is it's it's more involved in that. I apologize for this little blurb there. Had a sneeze get to me before I was able to mute things. So back to where I was. Hopefully I got the sneeze out of the recording, but it uh, certainly needed to. <laughs> stop for a moment and do an edit. But really what I was saying about the UK is it it seems more entrenched in their history and there's more of a pride, not just in, you know, talking about the nuances of weather, but being able to, I don't know, almost have a, you know, a true pride in where they're from and the type of weather they may have that's different. And and again, some of these phrases, you know, th- there are some phrases that that certainly, you know, you can hear it and you can go, okay, well, they're just, they're tweaking certain words. Like one of them I liked was a mizzle, right? So not a term you hear used outside the UK, really. And I'm not sure how much it's used in the UK. But another one was like uh, Robin Hood's wind, right? So this is a way to describe a very, very specific event. And like even Scotland had, you know, a whole subsection for themselves and and I will put links in the show notes so that you can go and look at it but it it reminded me that you know not only do have these terms developed when our understanding in many cases of what was really going on wasn't well known so you may hear a scientific term and this is one of the challenges right is I look at these scientific terms and, and you know, you've heard me mention like catabatic winds or um, other things that, that go on to describe certain situations. And we have very scientific y sort of terms that we throw around them. And, and they tend to be, when we know them, we tend to use them more often. Or maybe we try to come up with a universal term. But even certain types of winds, you know, I, you know, I mentioned the catabatic winds, and, the, and there are different types of winds that, um, fall into that that are more regional, right? So, you know, if you hear somebody call a Bora wind or a Bohemian wind for that matter, or a Santa Ana winds, we have those here in, in California in the U.S., um, or a Oroshi in, in Japan, these are these are a specific type of wind. And there are other winds that it's not, they're not exactly the same. You'll hear a Chinook wind um, or a Fawn. And, and the feeling or the sensation of, of how it behaves may be the same, although the scientists, scientific elements behind it may not be exactly the same. But these, if you, you think about all those words, they come from a region where people experienced that event. So it helps shape an understanding of 
a, you know, someone who visited California, as an example, isn't likely to go around quoting Santa Ana winds, but someone who lived there might use that term on a regular basis or even use it in their description. So that helps you understand where somebody's from. And it's the same with these, with these British sort of words that we, we have an opportunity to personalize the weather you know it, it's i was talking with somebody about you know lake effect snows right it's just snow now it developed a certain way and it sure happened a lot you know there was a lot of snow that happened but for anybody who's ever experienced lake effect snow it conjures up a whole different you know and it, it can be different for everybody some people might like it others might not but it also invokes that emotional response so you know, we see these, and in history, and I'll pull another kind of classic example, the Beaufort wind scale, right? So if, you, if you've ever looked at this thing, and most anybody who's in the sailing would, would probably be familiar with it, and it's got all these scales. Generally speaking, there's, there's 12 scales, although they've expanded it recently, right? How many, how many scales of wind do you need? But it starts with calm, and it goes all the way up. Uh, in the case of the, the standard version, to hurricane force. But it's, you know, it's got gale and severe gales and strong breezes. But what's probably more interesting is as this scale was developed, there's, it was developed with an understanding of what that might look like on the sea and what it might look like on the land in different descriptions. And the idea was not necessarily to lose that variance, but understanding that at times there was a need to communicate continuity in describing certain events. And I do think that's important as our language, weather language, evolves. But at the same time, wouldn't it be sad if all these terms are lost? I know so often in this day and age we get into, you know, standardization. And, and I understand that. I, I have to teach in things. I was, you know, was going through this class. And we have the SI, you know, kind of things. And we talked about where and whether we tend to vary from the standard units and you know a classic one here in the US is we still use Fahrenheit as a scale it's just it's part of the culture or we use inches of mercury to describe barometric pressure and what i think is interesting in in how our weather dictionary or each of our personal weather dictionaries describe us is it's neat to be have, able to have these creative quantifiers that help provide yeah, I, I'm from Hotlanta, right? I wasn't born here, but I grew up here. I grew up in Hotlanta. And, and for anybody who's from here, they know what that means. And even some people who visited it at the wrong times of year know what that term means. And it, it, it invokes, you know, that emotional response. So I think those words are important. But for somebody who's never been to Atlanta, that doesn't mean anything. So I've also got to be able to describe it in a way that makes sense to anybody. And so as long as you can do that translation, I think it's really important. I mean, you, no matter how our language evolves or what words we use to describe things, having this uniqueness, okay, and this ability to describe stuff that's that's not universal even within a language. As you know, I've, I've spent time living in an English environment and a Spanish environment, and it's the same thing in both. The, there's there's not only regional dialects. I mean, even at a country level, you know, for instance, in, in Chile, they have this tendency to drop the letter S 
when they're using words, but they've also got this other thing where they, they say words like sipo or nopo. And, you know, it's little colloquialisms that are unique to Chile that make it, I don't know, it makes it more, to use a weather term, warm or open or accepting of a uniqueness that's their own. We all like to have these things that identify with who we are. And this can exist in the weather terms too, right? So it, it, it doesn't, you know, that, that little part of Chile, I mean, that's no different than saying yep or nope. Or, you know, even growing up here in the U.S., I grew up in the South, and we certainly have different phrases or terminology. It's, you know, if you go to the northern U.S., you, you don't often hear the word y'all, although I'm hearing it more and more um, across the U.S. because it's just a it's an easy way to say it. Not everybody wants to say you guys or that doesn't feel as or flow as naturally. So there's also this opportunity to shape other cultures with terms and phrases that are easy for people and they can provide that common bar. But, but think about it, you know, with all this stuff, if you go back in time and maybe at some point I'll do a future episode on this, I think it's really worth exploring. But if you go back in time and you imagine you're an explorer and you leave the comfort of, and so we get into space travel and we're going out and seeking aliens. Of course, this will matter too, but generally speaking, you were wherever you are. Or even today, you go somewhere and you end up in a place with people that don't speak your native tongue. And you want to try to understand a little bit and begin to communicate with them. There are certain things, right? You can point to certain things like objects you might use to eat with or cook with or even you know what you're eating or cooking, right? But weather has also always been there as a common thing. So if it rains, you know, you, that's a, you can... You can say rain, and they can tell you what they call it, and you can begin to bridge that gap. So weather would have also been one of these things, or at least I imagine that it was, that was kind of used in these, you know, stand, creating these standard dictionaries from which cultures could understand each other. And because they didn't necessarily have this emotional attachment to, you know, naturally occurring events, you know, there are always going to be exceptions to that, it, it just builds this common core, right? It, because it's a very fundamental thing that so much of us experience every single day. And so we can collectively create terminology that makes sense. And there's no harm in having some variance. Yeah, you've heard me mention it before, whether it's tropical cyclones or hurricanes or typhoons or whatever you want to call it. As long as the people that need to communicate in life you you, own, you know enough that no matter where you are and I do think this is the beauty of the day and age we live in if you're you know and I've I've happened this happened to me before I was in Hong Kong typhoon was coming through now this was long before I was studying meteorology and I knew roughly what the term meant but I it wasn't there in a time when it was easy to kind of quickly get on the internet and look up the terms and whether I needed to be concerned or not the beauty of the day and age we live in, right, is that so this information so readily available that we have this opportunity to have definitions that can be universal for all of us to appreciate, yet not lose the uniqueness or the cultural influences in our weather language and our weather dictionary. I mean, just think about the word cool, right? Just think about how something as simple as describing temperature 
which does really appear to be its origin from kind of a Dutch Germanic background from what I've read. Something as simple as that, trying to describe in between hot and in between cold, became such a universal thing for people being cool. And then cool went away from being cool, and now it's cool to be cool again or whatever it is. But these sort of common core words can be great in bridging the gap, yet then you can go back into the British Dictionary and have someone else tell you about a, a northern nanny or have someone in the U.S. tell you about a nor'easter, right? Again, certain parts of the U.S. You know, some of them clearly are always going to, if I hear about a Scottish mist, well, I know that's going to have a Scottish influence, but I may not know where a gousty is from, right, or have ever heard that term before, but they can use it and use phrases that I know in describing it, or I can look it up on the Internet if I don't do it and have a new appreciation for a phrase that's been around a long time because they developed their way of describing a very specific event that meant something to them and was important enough to that, whether it's huge scale, right, in a large region, or whether it's so micro that it's unique to just a very, very little climate in a very specific area, maybe on a coast or in a mountain range or whatever it might be. So where do you go with all this? You walk away appreciating the vast difference in language around the world, yet our ability to communicate with very simple terms on key items in a way that we can communicate with one another and hopefully in life and death situations when it matters, be able to get by, yet not lose the cultural uniqueness that makes I don't, the global melting pot, as, as it were, such an intriguing place, and this includes in our weather world. So have you ever really thought about your weather dictionary and what words are in there that mean something to you and are unique to where you are? Think about it sometime. Enjoy them. Feel free to send me an email with some if you have some in mind. So there you go, weather dictionary. This week, you know, I was thinking about this week last year. I was in New Orleans home of Hurricane Katrina, you know, 10 years on, still so much going on uh, as as New Orleans in some ways is, you know, fully recovered and in other ways still dealing with the tragedy that, that was that event. But oddly enough, there was a tropical cyclone getting, the, getting going in the Atlantic. Now, usually when I was doing that kind of stuff, I, you know, if, what I was doing that kind of work, I would set up systems that would allow you know, the company I was working for to display this information and present it. And we usually have a little leeway to get all these systems going at the beginning of the year. Well, last year I wasn't that lucky. So here I was doing that thing. And I was just reminded about (laughs) sometimes when you least expect it. So here I was in a a very famous city known for, you know, this major hurricane that's blown through and sure enough I was at a meteorological conference dealing with tropical cyclones in a way that I had never anticipated so some things come full circle but I was also reminded when I was thinking about that meeting and in and, and looking at some of this stuff about you know, there was a meeting there last year about this project to launch little mini satellites and I started wondering you know what is how many satellites are up in the sky and how many of them are weather satellites 
and currently, and, and the numbers aren't necessarily accurate today, There's we're approaching 3,000 satellites in orbit. And that's kind of crazy when you think about the fact that only about 1,000 of them are really active, a little over that. But um, we got a lot of space junk up there that we need to deal with. But what you might be surprised about is, you know, you always hear about weather satellites, and you do hear about communication and those sort of things. But weather satellites are probably, I, I don't have the exact number here in front of me, but less than 10% of the active satellites in the sky are, are really weather satellites. So this is something to keep in mind. All right, and because we're in that weather season, and because I really want it to snow, we're going to talk about how snow is kind of shaped uh, transportation technology next week. So come back, learn a little bit more about that. I promise I'll try to be more on point. Like I said, my, my brain's been a little this week. So I, I hope you've enjoyed the episode where we talked about your weather dictionary and what, what makes up your weather dictionary. And next week, like I said, uh, I promise I'll, I'll try to get back to my normal, here's my, here's my five points or whatever it might be and, and try to, uh, not just be in such a rambling mode like I feel like I am this week. But in any case, I guess with all my rambling, it needs to come to an end. So let's just cover some of the basics like we do at the end of most episodes. If you want to get hold of me with show ideas, words from your weather dictionary, whatever it might be, you can do it a couple easy ways, right? What is it about the weather at gmail.com or what is it about the weather.com on the website? There's a, if you click contact us, there's a, a form there. If you prefer to use that method, either is fine. Both of them come to the same inbox in the day. So I tend to get them the same way. In terms of supporting, you know, the drill RSVP rate, share, validate, and pledge. I'm not going to get into all the, the ways to do those things. I talk about it on the website. If you haven't been to the website in a while, you can go there and read about it. Just know that however you're supporting the podcast, whichever of those methods you're doing it, it's greatly appreciated. So until next time, until next time, as I always like to say, keep alert, enjoy the weather. May it be interesting because we, as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel, so please support him on patreon.com slash weather. This is a two-word super production.